Hey, welcome into a special episode of Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by Charlie Palillo and Josh Jordan. You can follow them on X at Palillo and at Josh Jordan 975. Be sure to hit like on this video and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked because we are excited to announce that the second season of Stone Cold Strohs begins Monday, February 19th. So make sure you're subbed everywhere. If you listen to us on podcast, you watch us on YouTube, make sure you're subbed there. All right, guys, let's get right to it. The Houston Astros have extended Jose Altuve five years, $125 million. That takes him through age 39. Now, look, from a PR perspective, this is definitely a win. But why is it more important than just PR, Charlie? Well, Altuve remains a great player, foremost. Uh, durability questions will grow over the life of this contract as he moves through his mid-30s toward his latter 30s. It averages $25 million per year, but is front-loaded, while the Astros are no doubt about it in contention mode, $30 million for the two seasons after this one as he plays out the, the $30.2 million per year extension. So, hey, Altuve took a pay cut, the phase of his career. Scott Boris aside, I'm playing for one team, Scotty, one team only. Get it done. If he wanted to hardline it and have a big year and go to market, could he have commanded more than five, 125 elsewhere? Way money's been flying around Major League Baseball? Possibly. But 125 million birds in the hand in the bush where you want to stay? It's perfect. So I think it's a win-win. Of course, there is risk entailed when you get with older players. But as I put it in this week's sportsmap.com column, cross-promotion. Um, with what player would you be more willing or as willing to take the risk of the downside on the back end than Jose Altuve, the foremost signature player in Astros history, who, by the way, the last two seasons has performed at an elite level still? For me, a lot of this is reputation for Jim Crane, the organization. You know, you hear that cheap stuff from the fan base. I don't buy it, but you, you hear that stuff from time to time. And if they would have let Jose Altuve get away, you dealt with Carlos Correa, Garrett Cole, George Springer. But if you let Jose Altuve walk over money, possibly your next Hall of Fame player, if if, if the trend goes that way, I, I think this is something, you know, as perception for the organization that this is the guy. you got to lock him up. You can't make it look like a few million bucks is why he walked out the door. That's not the perception you want, not only to your fan base, which is huge. And they've been making a ton of money. Jim Crane mentioned the revenue the last few years is why they've been able to, this is why they've been able to do this stuff, but you would have showed a, to other players across the league, other agents, that this is a good place to come play, that they're going to take care of you if you hold up your end of the deal. And now, you know, if you're a free agent, maybe not top of the market free agent, but just a free agent looking for somewhere to come contribute, you look at the Astros and go, oh, well, looks like they got Verlander here for a little while. Jordan and Altuve are locked up long term. I know I can go there and have a good chance of winning. And if I do a good job, they're going to offer me a, a reasonable salary. So I think it's big on a lot of levels for the Astros. Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker might be thinking, well, hold that thought just a minute, Josh. Uh, but Cal Ripken Jr., Baltimore Orioles. Tony Gwynn, San Diego Padres, Derek Jeter, New York Yankees. Hey, the Astros for a generation now have had Bagwell and Biggio individually and linked together as Astro lifers. But Altuve transcends them because he has been the fulcrum of the growth from zero to the toast of the town, to this dynastic seven-year run, and maybe still counting. So he's the most special player in franchise history. And now with another six years on the books, barring something calamitous, 
uh, you know, he'll make that pursuit over time toward 3,000 hits. Probably will take more, one more year than he has on this extension. But what if he's 37 hits shy? They're not going to sign him to come back. Uh, Craig Biggio was 41 when he got to 3,000 hits. Altuve will be 39 and close to a half when this deal is up. Uh, but this is a celebrated win-win on all levels. And here's a, another way to tilt the prism on this. I mean, it's the average value of the contract that matters toward collective bargaining uh, tax stuff. Um, but when Jose Altuve is 38 years old, he's going to be making $10 million from the Astros. Cash on the barrelhead that year. Next year, Jose Abreu at 38 years old is going to be making $17 million from the Astros. Cash on the barrelhead. So by that frame of reference... This deal is a steal for the Astros, uh, having Jose Altuve secured, certainly through whatever is the remainder of the prime years of his career, and then the tail end if there's some sunk cost that comes in. And then we can get to comparing with guys like Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado, these 10- and 11-year contracts signing guys through age 40, 41. Mike Trout, that contract's a fiasco right now for the Angels. Trout is the best player to come into Major League Baseball in at least 20 years, maybe going all the way back to Barry Bonds in the mid-80s. Well, Trout is 32. The Angels owe him $37 million plus for seven more years through his age 38 season. You think they'd rather have Altuve in his contract and his career right now than Trout at his age and his contract and where his career is? So Altuve's delighted. The Astros are delighted. And not that Astro fans need any reason to be looking forward to spring training in 2024 and beyond, but there's one more. Yeah, and it seems that he wants to be kind of the uh, anti-Albert Pujols here where you're not paying him a boatload of money on the back end of his career in which he's not giving you much production. I like the way Jim Crane talked about it, saying like he and I are basically the only two guys that were here from the beginning. And it's not just the face of the turnaround, but being the face of one of the best teams in baseball over the past decade and him being one of the best postseason players that has ever played the game and for him to wear an H on his cap throughout the entirety of his career, that's big for a franchise that hasn't had a lot of that. Uh, Charlie, about that contract, it kind of seems like almost the antithesis of a Scott Boris client when you're talking about how he's negotiated his deals throughout the entirety of it. Now, granted, he's not going to be poor. He's going to make $300 million plus over the entirety of his career, but that's a far cry from what a guy like Alex Bregman or Tucker are going to go. They're going to look to make $300 million on their next deal. A guy who's meant as much to this team. It is very interesting that him being a Scott Boris client hasn't really meant the thing that that has meant for many other clients and to the Astros specifically. Yeah, unique player, a unique negotiating circumstance uh, as Altuve readies to turn 34 years old in May. This is the place. Now, if the Astros had merely been a pretty good team and hadn't won a World Series or two or weren't looking to be good in 2024, then maybe Altuve's outlook might be a little bit different. But he had no interest in rocking the boat or introducing any acrimony to negotiations. Um, and certainly Boris got that, and he's legendary. And look at all the guys he still has unsigned in this free agency cycle. Uh, but if there needed to be a reminder, the agent works for the player, not the other way around. So I don't think Altuve needed uh, you know, an air horn and to scream in Boris's ear, just get it done with the Astros! But that's inevitably how this was going to go. It was going to get done with the Astros, and, and now it's done, just as Altuve's prior extension was announced at spring training. It's not a subplot or a talking point or a hush-hush, is there a problem here story at all going into the season. Uh, that's all left for Alex Bregman. And a year from now, Kyle Tucker. 
we know how the Astros do business and how they want to keep the window open. And Jim Crane said, as long as I'm here, the window is always going to be open. Well, you know who knows how the Astros do business as well as anybody? Jose Altuve. He knows kind of what they're willing to pay and what they're not willing to pay, what type of contracts they're cool with, ones they stay away from. Altuve wants to win, too. It's, you know, it's back in the day with Tom Brady, whatever. If you spend up all the money on your contract, how are you going to put any good players around you to, to have success? I think Altuve doesn't just want to, you know, have a great Hall of Fame career. He also wants to win more championships, and he knows he can do that here. They, they're committed to winning, so he doesn't want to take up all the money, especially on the back end of his career when he knows they're going to need more talent to compensate for him falling off when he's 38, 39 years old. So he doesn't want to be taking up $30, 35000000 million those years. So I just I think it's his commitment to winning. I think Altuve is a great dude. And part of this, too, that it's in the Astros press release. You know, you brought up, you know, Bregman and Tucker. This deal is different for Altuve than those guys. Crane said, hey, you know, Tucker's got a couple of years left. We're going to let him play and see how he performs over the next couple of years. So that you that tells you right there that that's their mentality with him for a while. But it also tells you that Tucker's probably not looking to sign anything before free agency. He wants to test the water. So I just thought in the, in the press release, they're telling you everything. 13th year in an Astros uniform, Hall of Fame candidate, one of the top three players in franchise history, central figure in the most successful years of the Astros history. They're telling you that this is a special deal for Jose Altuve. They don't, they don't plan on a lot of guys retiring Houston Astros for their entire career. You know, in free agency, free will, I will never blame a player for going after every last dollar he can get if that's what he chooses. But Altuve tax on five years, $125 million. Carlos Correa has five years, about $165 million remaining on his deal with the Twins. Well, who right now is the happier baseball player with his professional situation, probably his professional personal situation, outlook going forward. I mean, maybe the Twins can compete regularly in their division because the American League Central is terrible, but are the Twins year in, year out, you're thinking, well, that's a really good franchise built to last, and they're certain to be a contender year in, year out. No. And then there is legacy. Uh, Altuve seems to be as egoless a superstar as, as we've ever come across. So I doubt he's thinking, oh, this nails down that there's going to be an Altuve statue outside of Minute Maid Park. Um, we know there's not going to be one for Carlos Correa. And unless somehow the Twins win a couple of World Series, they won't be building one outside target field either. So, you know, different priorities, fine for individuals to have. Uh, but Altuve basically is, is the closest thing to the perfect player in terms of performance and fit and, and idolatry at this point uh, from the fan base. It really, really is a special thing. Yeah. Who would you rather have if you're an Astros fan? Would you rather have uh, Correa or Altuve at this point? And given availability and health and money you know, committed, I'd rather have Altuve. And he's part of two big splashes the Astros have made this offseason that have implications over the next five years. Josh Hader being the first at $95 million, Altuve $125 million. If you guys had to put on your prognostication hat or your Karnak hat, what's the next big move? I don't think anything gets done with Bregman. I think he goes to market now that he's into his last year. And Alex Bregman remains a very, very good player. But Alex Bregman has not been a great player since 2019. And if you're Bregman and you're Boris and you look at contracts, the comparison game, well, five wrongs don't make a right. That uh, the Padres are already somewhat regretting 
giving Xander Bogarts 11 years, $280 million. The five years, 150, they tacked on to Machado's deal, giving him 11 years, 350 million, starting at age 30. I mean, Bregman can say, well, we're not, you know, leaps and bounds behind Manny Machado as a player. So how about 11 years, 350 million for us? Uh, how about no, if you're Jim Crane or I think any other same team in Major League Baseball? So I think it's going to take Bregman getting on the market to see what that value is for a 30-year-old player coming off what kind of season? Um, you know, is it six, seven years at $30 million per year? Or if you want 10 years, like Bryce Harper gave the Phillies a discount on the annual value because he wanted a 75-year contract. He took 13 years with the Phillies at like $26.5 million per year. Remember, the Dodgers offered him $45 million per year, but only in a two- or three-year deal. So I think to get those parameters in play, it's going to take Bregman getting to market and Tucker, and I'd say secondarily, Framber Valdez being a year further away from free agency, unless the player felt like he was getting not overpaid, but at least every dollar of what he sees his free market value as, uh, unlikely to to jump to it. And, and just one more point, Bregman Tucker specifically, Kyle Tucker's coming off a third consecutive season with a war of at least five and wins above replacement. It's a pretty mainstream metric. It's not perfect, but it's accepted as a pretty solid, at least, benchmark. Tucker, three years in a row, a war of at least five. Bregman has two seasons of five-plus war in his career, and Bregman's a couple of years older than Kyle Tucker. So, you know, if they project to each get to market, um, Tucker at 28, Bregman at 30, and Tucker's been the better player three, four years running, well, who should have the more robust market? Seems pretty clear. For me, as far as moves, I I think it's going to be not more signings. I think it could possibly be some smaller trades like we saw with Trey Cabbage recently. I, I think maybe the trade deadline is the next time we see kind of like a, a move where we go, whoa, they, they did something there. I think that's probably the case that I don't think they're going to want to go over the next tax threshold. They're already over the first one. So I think they're going to hold tight. And I don't think either, any of us think that Bregman or Tucker are getting done anytime soon. So I don't think they're going to go outside of the organization. The pitching, too, keep an eye on. They, get, they have a lot of pitchers. And if McCullers and Luis Garcia do come back as planned sometime around July, and you got J.P. France sitting around and, you know, all these different – and Jose Urquidy, and you're going to have all these pitchers. I wonder if maybe they kind of consolidate – and maybe move a starting pitcher for a need they have somewhere else on the team. That would not surprise me at all because, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, how are you going to use them all? That, that, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I think there's a maybe maybe they make a deal here. We've heard rumors about Urquidy being traded in the past. So it's on their radar. So maybe maybe that's what they look to do, consolidate some of that glut of starting pitching and, and move it you know, to value somewhere else. And whether it's a, a left-handed hitter or another relief pitcher, there's still a lot of question marks in this bullpen outside of the the big three. So, you know, as the season goes along, they might, you know, if Montero doesn't bounce back like they hope, they may need to go replace him again, get a, a sixth inning guy. You know, for us, obviously news is good. Content, fresh material to sink our teeth into. As fans, it's always spend, spend, spend. Damn the torpedoes. Go make something great happening now. You just got Hater. You just got Altuve redone. All news. Do Bregman. Do Tucker. Extend Verlander. Do just do stuff constantly. Hey, you know the coffee needs to percolate sometimes. Um, with Alex Bregman, if he has a monster year and seemingly tilts the negotiating situation more in his favor, add to that. The Astros farm system is very weak, right? Zach DeCenzo's an 
okay prospect, but not earmarked as a third baseman of the future qualitatively. But if Bregman leaves, who's the Astros third baseman in 2025 if you're still in, hey, we're good in contending mode? Kyle Tucker a year further down the road, almost by default now, Jacob Melton is considered the Astros' number one prospect. Well, he made one one top 100 list, didn't make others. What does he do this year? Does he make a real leap forward as a prospect that the Astros are thinking, okay, Chaz McCormick, Jordan, Jacob Melton could be the outfield in, in 2026. Bryce Matthews, last year's number one draft pick. He's a shortstop by trade, but he could have outfield potential. If he's a relatively fast riser in the minor leagues, where does he emerge as an option in the next year, year and a half? What's Jeremy Pena's career arc? Or the Astros thinking we can do better at shortstop a, a year or two now from now. Um, so, you know, we're not going to get answers to all these questions by the start and of the season, the by the middle of the season, or even by the end of the season. So. And that's okay because overall the Astros remain in a very good place. Three, four, five years from now, who the hell knows? Not even Jim Grant. No, but if you want to hear discussions about all those questions throughout the season, you can come right here to Stone Cold Strohs. Weekly episodes start on Monday, February 19th. So again, uh, make sure you're following us on all your favorite platforms to get all of our content. That's going to be it for this episode of Stone Cold Strohs. Appreciate you listening. As always, go Strohs. Go Strohs.